Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. You're listening to The Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 232. Two full sleeves of tattoos, no college degree, and the senior vice president of branding and creative at Alex and Ani. Kate Richard proves that there is no official formula to achieving career success. Kate oversees the billion dollar labels design, marketing, and branding departments, serving as the right hand to the company founder and CEO. She is an expert on building a brand's unique story and keeping fans connected as it evolves. That's the piece. I am so excited to discuss with Kate today, brand evolution. How do you know when it's time to rebrand? Is your brand ready to evolve with changing trends? Should you even let trends dictate the changes that you make to your own brand? How do you bring your day one fans along with you as you grow and change? And I'm asking Kate the big branding questions, but we're also diving into her not so typical career evolution. I'm so excited for you to hear all the wisdom that she brings to today's show. Before we dive on in, Today's review comes from A-N-C-F-E-O-X-N. Talk about a great iTunes handle. It says, I am so thankful that I stumbled upon the Gold Digger podcast a year ago. I especially love that Jenna isn't afraid to pat herself on the back. She knows she's good at what she does, and that's what makes others feel confident that she knows what she's talking about and her words of wisdom are trustworthy. I still haven't branched out into hiring a team for my small business, but as a faithful Gold Digger listener for over a year, I feel like Jenna is on my team. I've learned so much from her and I'm constantly feeling pumped up and encouraged by her. I feel like I have this arsenal of information to turn to when I am ready to dive headfirst into my business. Jenna, thanks for building me up and encouraging me, even though I don't always know what I'm doing. Um, do any of us? Thank you for giving me the confidence that I can dig some major goals. I'm not going to try to say your username again, but thank you so much for leaving a review. Guys, if you're not already subscribed to the show, just take a second, hit that button so that you never miss another episode of the podcast. And if you have a spare minute, leave a review because yours might be the next one that I read on air. Without further ado, let's dive on in with Kate. 
You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, where we firmly believe that work doesn't have to feel like work. Self-made millionaire and marketing guru Jenna Kutcher will help you redefine what success looks like. It's time to hear from the experts, listen in on honest conversations, and learn the best tips and tricks that helped others pave their own way and craft their dream career. If you're ready to dig in, do the work, and tackle your biggest goals, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, photographer, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. Thank you to Skillshare for supporting Gold Digger. Skillshare is offering my listeners a limited time offer of two months of Skillshare for free. To sign up, head to Skillshare.com slash Gold Digger 2. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash Gold Digger 2 to get two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for free. Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting Gold Digger. Find the right people for your business this year at linkedin.com slash gold digger and get $50 off your first job posting. That's linkedin.com slash gold digger to get $50 off your first job post. LinkedIn.com slash gold digger. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks to ShipStation for supporting Gold Digger. Right now, try ShipStation free for 30 days and get an additional month free. Only if you use the promo code Gold Digger. Welcome to the show, Kate. I am so excited that you are here. And this is your first podcast episode. Like, how crazy is that? It is crazy. And I'm so thankful to be here. This is a great first podcast to have. Oh, girl, we are going to have so much fun. So I want to hear about your story, because to be honest, when I was digging into who you are, I was so intrigued and just really felt compelled. Like you have a story that needs to be told, Kate, and I want to kind of hear just what that story is. How did you get to where you are today? What are you doing today? What did that journey look like for you? Well, It's interesting in retrospect, especially when I started to look through questions that you had sent over originally, it's really the first time I've told my story from this context in particularly as I reflect on what branding means to an individual and how people I think get into branding and feel comfortable in that space. If I didn't have my journey and my story, if I wasn't able to look at myself as a brand and sort of the evolution of where I've come from, I don't think I would be as passionate and connected to what I do here. So my journey started a long time ago in in Burlington, Vermont, and I was born and raised. I have a twin brother and my parents, and we lived in a little house in Church Street in Vermont, and it was beautiful. And I, in hindsight, had probably a more complicated childhood than I remembered it in my actual childhood. I had a loving, devoted, connected, cool family. My father was an alcoholic when we were younger. He was in and out of treatment. He passed away when we were 13. And again, seemingly suspicious looking back at why we all felt like it was so great, but it was a really great childhood. It was a great experience. It was an incredibly hard and challenging thing to go through with my mom, but but it set me on a path of sort of no return. And if there was something that it did for me, it was set an expectation early on in my mind of you're going to get out of here. You're going to do really well. You're going to be bigger and better than anything that's set a precedence for you in the past. I have a mother that pushed me 
in the most loving and supporting and open-minded way. And it really propelled me for the next few decades of my life. And so my story continued and went to high school. I loved it. I had great friends, a great support system, a great community. And when Tom and I went to school, we were both going to school at the same time. We were kids of a single mom. We didn't have much. We didn't have much to go on. And when you're signing up for college, I think at 18, and you have no clue at that point what's going on. You have no clue what you want to do. And I think even if you have an inkling of an idea then, you at best, you're signing up for something that seems to make sense for your 18, 17, 16-year-old self. And I think the foggier thing that happens at that point is the financial commitments you start taking on particularly when you're a poor kid bringing nothing to the table. You're signing document after document. And we were lucky, Tom and I, my brother, we were smart kids. So we qualified for assistance and help. But it's you have no clue what you're signing up for. And I remember feeling great about it. But my main objective at that point was to get out of my hometown and stretch my wings a little and just get out of Dodge. So whatever I had to sign to get out of there was my priority at that point. So Tom went to Northeastern. I went to Pace University in New York City. And we got there. And I remember sitting there thinking, okay, well, now what? (laughs) And I loved being there. I loved being in the environment. But when push came to shove and both my brother and I were living in expensive cities and we didn't have my mother to turn around to for help and we were both working, we were both on the grind with classes and doing everything. And I had that moment of, I don't know if I should be here. And I think it was probably the scariest time that I really felt like an adult in my life of, I don't know if I should be doing this. And the bills started racking up and you have no one but yourself sitting there. And I'm working two jobs and trying to get to class and trying to make sure Tom's okay, trying to make sure my mother's okay. And It was one of the scariest and I'd say probably one of the most real moments for me that I've ever had of just thinking I made a mistake. It was the first time I think in my whole life that I felt like I had made a mistake. And to pivot from that point and try to decide how to fix that big of a mistake was terrifying. So I took some time to kind of think about what I wanted to do. In life at that point, knowing a little bit about a little more than I had known leaving home. And I decided to drop out of school. And it was six months that I was in it. And I was racked with the most like heavy guilt of what my mother was doing to put us there. She would send me like food money, ice cream money, like a $20 bill and a greeting card with the sweetest note. And I remember being overcome with just sadness of like, I shouldn't be doing this. I have no reason to be here other than to be out of my hometown. And I did it. So maybe there's another path for me. And so when I dropped out, I had no real plan. I just knew like, I'm going to start working. I can figure this out. I'm scrappy. I can figure this out. I moved to Philadelphia I worked at Tower Records. I specifically remember the minimum wage at the time was like $5.25. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) 
Well, this, you know, was hopefully not a huge mistake, but there was really no looking back at that point. And I remember sitting there in the basement of Tower Records on South Street in Philadelphia thinking I was 18 years old. I was going home to live with like eight other people in this tiny little space thinking this is not going to be my life. This is not good enough. And I'm not going to sit here and just fade into oblivion. I will figure this out. And that truly, Janet, is the first time I ever really thought about the power of yourself as a brand and who you are and what you have the ability to do by seemingly inconspicuous changes in the way that you carry yourself, what you're accessible to, how you go to work, what you do when you're there, and how all of those decisions could eventually roll up to be a substitute for a traditional education. So how did you, because what I think is so interesting and and part of your story that really hooks me is that I feel like as women, we feel underqualified all the time, right? Like you, do you still show up at work? I like feel like I'm still a fraud sitting in front of a microphone, 200 episodes in, you know? And I love that you are in this position of leadership at this worldwide brand and you don't have a college degree. And I feel like our culture is just constantly preaching this need. So how do you think you became this exception to the rule that we are told as humans, as children, as 18-year-olds, as 22-year-olds? Like, how did you do that? Well, I think, in honesty, it's a perfect storm of circumstance. Because I knew at that moment that I had to do better for myself. I had to be shinier and better and more articulate and more personable and more interesting than the person next to me. So it started with that knowledge of just how do you actually in an authentic way stand out from the person next to you? And for me, that was kind of the first realization of myself in the equation, which is one of the factors that makes success happen in rare circumstance. And the second set of circumstance was who I was working for. So I went through a long period of time before I got here where my goal was to talk to the right people, learn the right things, catch up on the job all the time and looking for small tiny moments of success in what most people might perceive to be an unsuccessful environment. So I worked in retail for a long time, but in every great retail, it's really the path in a retail establishment from success and starting out is at least very clear. If you're selling more, if you're more engaged, if you can rally a team, if you're a good leader, you stand out in retail. And that's really one of the most remarkable things about it if you're looking at it from a completely opportunity standpoint. You know, it's a really clear path to what is defined as successful. And that can be really vague and blurry as you get further and further on in your career. Paint me a picture of like going from minimum wage, $5, to the vice president of branding. Like, what does that even look like? What did that transition look like? How long did it take? How did that happen? 
was a long time. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I've lived completely separate lives. I'm sure a lot of people feel like this, but I'm almost 40 now. So my young adulthood, my 18 to 30 seems like a completely different life. It seems impossible <laughs> that I could have done what I've done in this amount of time. And I think, you know, kids always has that moment, that effect on you as well. But so my, my early life was retail. I worked my butt off in retail. I worked harder and better than everyone around me. I made it my goal to be the most sparkly, enigmatic person. When corporate came through, I was there. I knew everything. I offered to help on everything. I put myself out there, you know, 10 times out of 10 to be the extra person that would drive further, stay longer, go to that event or help do this. Or, you know, you really have to. And it's the most boring answer in the world, but you work your butt off and you make yourself available. And the great thing I think about me in that position was I knew I didn't have that degree to fall back on. I knew I didn't have it in my back pocket. I knew I couldn't lead the conversation with that. So I was going to have to get to the next place by referral. And I made an entire career out of being recommended to my next person, you know, and that's an important thing. You have to be essential to somebody. You know, if you don't have what you think is standard in the industry, you better have something else. And for me, that was a really strong track record of good work, strong results, a great personality and showing up. And it's, you know, I don't, I'm not saying it in like a, I think I'm amazing, my personality, but it's a cornerstone of what I had to build in order to get there. I was such an introvert my whole life. So crafting and cultivating a personality that felt more natural to me in a public world was a stretch. And that was a real exercise. I put myself through that. And I looked at everyone that I loved and admired and things that you notice about people that you like, or, you know, things that really stand out when you're talking to someone and you have to work at those things. I don't think that's as natural as it feels to everyone. Oh, I agree. I think so much of what we do is almost kind of not putting on a persona, but really figuring out what intrigues me about other people. And then what do I bring to the table? That's different. So I want to know, like, what does a day at work as the senior vice president of branding and creative? What does that look like for you? Well, it is Never the same. The thing about <laughs> brand is that it's always changing. And really, I've become a, a lens and a temperature check, I think, for a lot of the endeavors that we explore within the company. So part of my evolution here has been, and I think why it, it became a natural fit as I progressed through many roles and responsibilities here. But when I first met Carolyn Rafalian, our founder, I had come in through operations, which is where I came into the company through so I had built this career in retail operations, small store apothecary management, and, and really became kind of 360 jack of all trades over what I would say would be the majority of my 20s. So by the time I came to Alex Anani, I was pretty well vested in buying merchandising and operations. So that was really my first pass here was operations supporting our wholesale channel. And the magic of Carolyn, our founder, is that she, and when I say there's unique circumstances, probably got me where I am today, a combination of who I am and as a human, and then also who Carolyn is as a human, was one of the few people that could look at the situation and say, 
I love working with you. You get me. You get my vision. You can support this really well. I really don't care what you've done before, what your resume is, where you went to school. That's also a rare CEO. You know, so that's a perfect storm of someone that's done everything to make up institutional knowledge that they didn't have or a piece of paper that they didn't have, colliding with someone who says, I don't really care what you've done before. What I care about is what you're doing here. And if you get this and you know how to do it and you can help me steer this ship, then we'll be fine. That's so, so her powerful. Confidence and, it is. It's cool. You know, but her faith in me and her confidence in me, I came in at a much smaller person, you know, developmentally than what I was. I figured out how to do it. I knew I could do it, but I was still holding on, I think, to a little bit of protectiveness about where I'd come from and how I got there and how I learned it. And she was the first person that I'd ever met that let me let go of that, you know, that inhibition of I had to explain it to anybody. So by the time I kind of sat in the seat of branding, a typical day looks like for me just making sure that we are not tone deaf as an organization, that we're speaking authentically, that we're representing ourselves well, that if we're doing something, we're understanding why we're doing it, why it makes sense for us as a brand and why it makes sense for our family of consumers. So a lot of what I do is strategic sort of checks and balances guiding our teams here, both our creative teams and our operations teams to make decisions that feel like they're rolling up to a bigger vision for the brand. That sounds like a big job. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. It's a little bit big. (laughs) I want to know, like, what projects are you most proud of in your time at Alex and Ani? I'm working on a project right now that I think is probably the cultivation of my most proud time, experience, and sort of accumulation of things we've been talking about for a long time. And it's an appropriate time to talk about it as you and I are talking about what brand is, you know, how Alex and Ani defines brand, how the world defines brand. But we have been working for years to kind of evolve the way we retail, evolve the message to our consumer. And we're in 2019 coming into our first step outside of a traditional jewelry store. So we're opening up a new chapter of our company that I would kind of put into the, I hate to say wellness because I think it's a vague word, but we're talking a lot about personal wellness, about empowerment, about spiritual health and a connection to yourself and sort of how to redefine the way that we discover ourselves and the way that we believe in ourselves. So it's our version of wellness, but we are getting into that space and opening experiences within our stores and within our community base online and, and within very special places that will sort of pepper the markets that we do business in that allow customers to get a little bit further down the rabbit hole with us and how we create and what we're talking about and and what we hope and intend for them. Oh, I love that. And I think it is the perfect segue. And it's exactly what we're talking about today is that kind of that identity, that idea of self. And I feel like so many entrepreneurs struggle with understanding like what is branding and how do I run a recognizable brand? And and it's so easy with our eyes always on our screens and scrolling to be on to the latest trend. And so I want to know kind of, do you have like a set of questions or things that you ask yourself when you're making design and marketing decisions that help you stay consistent with that story that you are always crafting with Alex and Ani? 
Well, I think information can come into you in a few different ways. Either you're creating something that you want to happen or you're creating an idea or an identity or a theme that you want to be front and center in your brand, or you're taking it in from somebody else that would like to work with you on something that would like to collaborate. And in both situations, I think you're tasked with making sure that the way you do it is purposeful to your overall mission. And I think the simple task of just publishing a strategic plan and feeling really locked and loaded on what you're trying to do in your space right now. And some of that might be a five-year plan or a one-year plan, but you should always have a very clear goal of what the next 90 days look like for you. And some things you sit on, some things you wait with, some things you develop quickly. And no matter what it is, it needs to make sense. I think the most strange part of the age of everything available right now is that you could essentially do anything tomorrow. You know, you could pull it together, you could make it work, you could push out anything because we have the age of instant gratification at our fingertips. So Having timing is everything and understanding why your brand's participating in something interesting that the world might view as interesting, but has no resonance or purpose in your brand is a tough way to make decisions. But you have to be scrupulous about what you get behind and what you don't, because it might be cool. It might be relevant. It might be a great conversation that's happening in the world. But if it feels weird for your brand to talk about it, then don't. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important. And I think a lot of times we feel like we're called to do all the things and it kind of makes for a muddled brand overall. Like what is the main message? So I'm curious how you would answer this because a lot of times I feel like people will ask me like, do you think I need to rebrand? And what do you think the difference is between a rebrand versus a brand that's always evolving? Like how would you explain the two? Because I think you guys are always evolving with that main core message staying true and prominent. Yeah, I think it's a tough thing because I think people view rebranding as a negative and Evolving sounds like a much sexier word, you know, than re anything. (laughs) Re sounds like you're stepping back, you know, sounds like you're redoing something. And I think the RE makes it sound really negative. I think it should be used sparingly when you would use that term. I think evolving for me truly means having a gut check constantly. And evolution for our brand is something that I am really big on. And we had a history that had an incredibly explosive growth in the beginning when Carolyn opened the first retail store to now in any really kind of on-trend buzzworthy product, you have this crazy amount of growth where you're just trying to keep up with what's happening in the marketplace. And it can force you to lose sight of evolving within those moments because operationally getting structured to deal with the first leg of your company's growth can be a challenge. So it can be a while, I think, before you go back to the drawing board and say, well, we're in a comfortable place to talk about what evolution looks like for us. You know, in a final state, what would we want to be evolved in? And for us to use the example, just sort of, you know, through our experience, if I look at what the original connection and purpose for the bangles were and the charms were originally, it was to help people tell their stories to help them honor things that were important to them and to help them feel connected to who they were. So evolving that concept into more 
areas, more exercise, more product, different things, different experiences keeps that original intention in place, but allows it to grow and expand into a different being. And that's really how I would define evolving a brand. Rebranding, I think sometimes where you thought you were going to be most heard or where the representation of your product or your message or yourself even, you thought it was going to resonate in a way that you originally anticipated. And when you know you've got a great thing that just isn't getting through to people in the right way, I think rebranding is the smartest thing you can do. We get so caught up and we get so sticky to things that we thought were right. And if you know you've got something good and you're just not getting it out there, okay, doesn't look the way it should or it doesn't sound the way it should, it's not marketed properly, it's in the wrong environments, then you should be brave enough to rebrand. You know, you got to believe in what you're doing enough to say, if I just skin this differently and it works, like it would be a shame to not do that. So I think rebranding is really about holding on to what you know you do best and the industry or the market that you're in and making sure that the presentation is appropriate for what you're trying to achieve. Thank you to ShipStation for supporting the show today. When I launched Shop Jenna Kutcher, I knew that one of the most important things would be getting my products into the hands of customers in a quick and simple way. With ShipStation.com, you can bring all your orders into one simple interface and you can create shipping labels for top carriers like UPS, FedEx, and USPS and manage all of your orders from the same place, even on your phone. Right now, try ShipStation free for 30 days and get an additional month free only if you use my promo code gold digger don't wait whether you're selling on your website shopify squarespace etsy big commerce woocommerce or over 75 other popular channels shipstation is for you you'll ship more in less time with the best rates available no wonder shipstation is the number one choice of online sellers go to shipstation.com and before you do anything else click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in gold digger that's shipstation.com. Enter Gold Digger. Shipstation, make ship happen. I knew that the next manager of the Gold Digger podcast needed a very specific set of skills content creation, broadcast media, and a strong organizational skill set, among many other traits. And I knew I wouldn't find that person on any old regular job board. If you're looking to grow your team and your business in 2019, post your position on LinkedIn. Most LinkedIn members aren't checking job boards regularly, but nine out of 10 LinkedIn members are open to and interested in new opportunities just like yours. With most of the U.S. workforce on LinkedIn, posting on LinkedIn is the best way to get your job opportunity in front of the right people, people with the right skills and background for your role who are also ready for something new. That's how I found Kylie, my new podcast manager, and I can truly say it is the best way to find the person who's going to help you grow your business and exactly why a new hire is made every eight seconds using LinkedIn. Find the right people for your business this year at LinkedIn dot com slash gold digger and get fifty dollars off your first job post. That's LinkedIn.com slash gold digger to get fifty dollars off your first job post. LinkedIn.com slash gold digger. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you to Skillshare for supporting Gold Digger. 
You've seen my handwritten letters and designs on my Instagram and blog. Well, I perfected my hand lettering skills with Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community for creators. With more than 25,000 classes in design, business, and more, you'll discover countless ways to fuel your curiosity, creativity, and career. Take classes in social media marketing, mobile photography, creative writing, or even illustration, like the abstract art and doodling for iPads course that I took. Whether you're looking to discover a new passion, start a side hustle, or gain new professional skills, Skillshare is there to keep you learning, thriving, and reaching those new year goals. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for free. That's right. Skillshare is offering Gold Digger listeners two months of unlimited access to over 25,000 classes for free. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash Gold Digger 2. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash Gold Digger 2 to start your two months now. That's Skillshare.com slash Gold Digger 2. I think that's so powerful. And what I love what you said about kind of going back to that original intention, that why piece. And I think a lot of times we can get so caught up in the to-do list or the feeling that we're not doing enough that we kind of forget that. Like, why did we start? Why do we create? Who do we create for? Like, what is the purpose? And I love that you kind of talked about going back to that often because you can still evolve with that same intent. And sometimes that why changes as you change or the company changes. But I think that is so, so powerful. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So let's talk about the market. Like the market you guys are in is a fast moving market. So I want to know like, Kate, how do you keep up with the trends without making your stuff look like everyone else's or without feeling like you've got to add a bajillion things just because other people are doing it? What does that look like for you as you make decisions? It's hard, I think. I mean, it's harder for me because I love the industry. You know, I look at everything. I love everyone. I love everything everyone's doing all the time. I'm so excited. I feel like we've never been in a time where you're seeing more makers. You know, I mean, people have a great point of view right now, a different point of view. There's great trends coming to the market. There's beautiful designs in the world. And seeing focus is hard. I think our design team, our product design team led by Carolyn is really good at cutting out the noise. They're really, really powerful designers. And I think they're able to look at something that might be inspirational to them and incorporate it into something that we're doing that makes sense. But where I step into that is, again, sort of back to that, does it fall down the checklist and the criteria of what you're trying to do in that moment? Because I think what we try to be at all times is what feels like someone you trust that you'd go to for advice on what to wear or how to pull it together or how to think about something. And like sometimes the most inhibiting thing you can do is is ask people what they want. You know, we have to maintain an identity because it's a it's a service to our fan base and our customer base to stay true to that and to have a consolidated point of view and to work through trends and inspiration and things that are happening in the industry in a way that feels familiar and recognizable to them while still being able to offer newness and evolve our product as much as we're evolving our messaging or our offering. But a lot of it is saying no to things that don't make sense and really saying we would love to wear that ourselves. We would love to incorporate and maybe bring that in or style it with something we're doing. But 
it's not going to line up with the design criteria for the year, the story that we're trying to tell, like we're kind of threading the needle on design themes throughout the year. So it's easy to be inspired and it's harder to take that inspiration and making it into something tangible that helps your category. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, speaking of category, you guys have just a huge, I mean, a huge following, a huge company, a huge client base. I am 99.9% sure that you also have a huge amount of imitators. Walk me through that because I think a lot of times when we create something as epic as you guys have created, when someone comes along that creates something similar, something that looks oddly familiar, it can really derail us and pull our focus from what we're actually creating. How have you approached this? What has that looked like for you guys as a brand? What do you think about it? Well, if I am being glass half full about the scenario, we have, <laughs> if I'm being an optimist about it, we have inspired a industry of American made philanthropic companies. And anyone that's copying that part of our business model, I have to commend. I think that, I mean, we really created the category of meaning-based jewelry, which is interesting. You know, I mean, it existed, but not in the way that it has sort of dominated search and categorization and a white space in a buyer's market, you know, of saying like, oh, I need meaning-based jewelry. So it's interesting. And, and within that, you have a spectrum of different types of companies. You have companies that have sort of been inspired by what you've been able to do in the space and have taken it and created something of their own, which is wonderful. I mean, anyone should look at what's happening in the world and see if it resonates with them. And if they want to create against it, that's great. And then pure just counterfeit, which I'm sure a lot of people have to deal with in different ways. When you have a patented product and when you have something that's very signature to your brand, like the bangle was in our conception and beginning, that is something you have to protect. And you have to set a really stern standard with your company and what's acceptable and what isn't. And if you don't do that from early on, you will get railroaded. So that is something that you have to take very seriously. Inspiring people to do good and to create beautiful things is wonderful. Dealing with knockoffs is horrible. And that's something you just have to take seriously. You set the standard early on that it's not acceptable, that you'll go after counterfeit, that you'll go after borders and, and you know, international trade of counterfeit goods. You have to be really serious about that. And for a design-driven company, that can be overwhelming, I think, to look at that legal portfolio and say, is this even worth doing? It's expensive. It's time-consuming. It doesn't make any sense. But we're a big retailer, and that's important. And that was one step that was made well early on that's helped us throughout years and years of dealing with counterfeit markets. Oh, it's so interesting. And I think no matter what industry you're in, if you are doing big things, at some point you are going to get ripped off or, you know, have an imitator or things like that. And I see it all the time where people just get totally derailed, like you were talking about, like focused on that instead of on creating. And for me, I've definitely had seasons of that. But what I've learned so much is like put my head down and create more, use it as a challenge to create something different or better or unique or something that is unknock off if that's even a word. <laughs> that's right. And you know what, too? I mean, you realize how many people do you know really make it 
like if it was as easy as just taking a cookie cutter recipe and just doing it over again, everyone would be successful. That is not what it is. An original idea, an original intent, an authentic purpose in your company, in your being is what's going to get you there. So you have to, to your point, kind of not worry about it. You know, you go after it where it's absolutely necessary, but inspired by, influenced by product, so be it. You know, if it, like I said, if it was that easy to make it work, we would all be billionaires. Absolutely. That's what people will ask me about this show. They'll be like, you share so much for free. Like, aren't you freaked out that people are going to copy you? And I'm like, no, because I could give somebody every single step that they would need to take. And 99.9% of the people would not do it. You know, I mean, I think that comes with confidence. Like we know how much we put into this. One thing I'm really curious about, because I think that you are an incredible person to ask about this, is you, Kate, have kind of talked about having your own personal brand in a sense of just the way that you approached things. And you also work for this large company. How do you kind of balance like who is Kate and then like what is Kate's role at Alex and Ani? Like what does that look like in terms of branding for you? Because I feel like you bring something to the table that's different, but you're also operating under a bigger brand. It's a good point. And I think, you know, you have to make those decisions early on within your company if you want the people in it to surpass the brand itself. And for us, we all feel really passionate that the mission and the purpose of Alex Anani is to be an experience for our customers, that it's not heavily focused around any one of us. And that what we're doing is creating a place that people can come and do their talent. And that's something that Carolyn always says that I think always sticks out in my head that she's created a company for people that genuinely want to come and do their talent. So we've created this place that takes all of that in and creates this incredible experience and journey for our customer. But our customer is really the focal point of our story. So we are supporting cast and accessories to all of this. We have to figure out how it works for us in our development and our professional development, our personal development to show up and be a part of it. And a lot of time that that's an evolution of yourself and who you are as a worker and who you are as a coworker to other people. But my personal view of myself and being heavily embedded in brand, you can't help but think of yourself as a brand, albeit mine is probably a very boring one when I'm not here. But I think it requires you to just look at yourself and make sure you're evolving as much as your company's evolving, that you have a skill set and a hunger and a curiosity that is valuable to the company that you're in. Because I need to be an asset to everyone here. And I'm not an asset by just being the smart person or the best person because I'm not. But I'm a tremendous support and a catalyst for ideas here. And my purpose at any time changes. So I don't get too bent on what I'm doing or what I'm being called in that moment or who I am or what I'm doing in a day. I want to make sure that I stay a viable usable, creative force for our company. And that never is the same thing two years in a row, I can guarantee you. So my brand of myself, my skill sets, what I like, what I'm willing to do, what I'm able to do, the way I balance my personal life, that's all changing. And you have to be a really fluid being to stay valuable to a brand for a long time when the point of the brand is to be great without you. That's so powerful. And I think 
what you do is so cool because it's like sometimes you've got to leave your ego at the door in the sense of like who is Kate versus sometimes you've got to bring that out and be like what do I want as a consumer what do I want to see more of or how am I in tune with the audience in a unique way and balancing that could probably be hard but it sounds like you're I mean, it sounds like you're killing it. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. It is hard. Ego is the hardest thing. Ego is the hardest thing. And I challenge myself constantly of do you, are you struggling in this moment because you're feeling like too big for your britches or you're feeling full of yourself or whatever it is, you know, and, and having that trust in, I'm going to wind up where I'm supposed to. If I keep doing this, if I myself, if I show up in honesty and integrity every day, if I do what I'm supposed to be doing here, it's going to be fine. Like I need to get out of my own way as much as the next person does about what's next. What am I doing? What does this mean? You know, because at the end of the day, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. And if you're showing up in that moment, as fluffy as that sounds, I firmly believe that the hardest thing for us to do is be present and be active in the moment we're in. Mm-hmm. Oh, amen, sister. Okay, so I this is like the million dollar question. But if someone is feeling unsettled in their brand, or maybe they're not quite sure that the representation of it is what they want out there. What are the three biggest tips that you would share for them to help them know what their next steps are from a branding standpoint? I think if you're having doubt about the perception of yourself. First of all, it's very important to have those checks in with yourself constantly. Do an audit of what you look like in the world. You know, pull yourself the same way you would if you were pulling a new boyfriend or whatever it is, you know, get a quick glimpse of what you look like and make sure it aligns with the way you describe yourself. There's that conversation of self that we have a lot that's important as you get out of like personal growth and into business growth of, Who do I feel like to myself and who do I feel like to other people? And I think that's a really powerful exercise in business to say, I may think I'm being this person. I may think I'm sending this message out, selling this great product or talking about this great thing. But if I was to be honest and to do a 360 view of what I look like in the world, does that ring true for the people that are perceiving me as a business? And if it doesn't, if you find yourself in conflict of what you want to do versus what you think you're doing... I think the basics just kick back in again. You got to make a really strong written manifesto of where you are, where you want to go and what you're doing here, you know, because not being clear on the details of this is what I'm actually trying to achieve can lead you chasing opportunities that get you further and further away from that. And have that gut check with yourself. What are you willing to do? What are you willing to spend? What are you willing to say goodbye to? Some of our hardest decisions have been walking away from revenue that wasn't healthy for us anymore. You know, so doing it when you're already deep, deep, deep embedded in what you're doing can be scary and challenging. But if you can recognize it as early on into your insecurity about what's happening as you can and make a quick and informed but decisive change, it'll save you. You know, you can't waddle in bad decisions because you're too afraid to undo them. And I think that's the hardest thing is walking away from things that are perceivably definitions of success because you know they're not right for you. 
I think that is probably some of the best advice that this podcast has ever heard. I feel like there are so many, quote, opportunities that are shiny, that are really just distractions that are pulling us away from our best work. And I feel like our society and the way that people show up in the world has taught us that there's this big break moment that leaves us almost feeling frantic and saying yes to things that probably aren't the right fit. And it's so important sometimes to really make some hard no's and to really like list out here's what I'm going to do and say yes to and here are what I'm going to say no to. And I think that that's so, so, so important. If you don't know those things, you're likely going to go down a rabbit hole that leads you so far away from your initial vision. Yeah, that's right. You need to have a point of view. You need to have a point of view. And, you know, we're living beings, so we can have many points of view. But in the world, in like the hyper loud, noisy environment that is the world right now, having just a familiar, consistent, clear point of view is the easiest way to get your brand ahead. And knowing those things and writing those things down and making sure you make every single decision and undoing decisions, which is even harder, that, you know, mirror what you're trying to do in the world and making sure that your voice is consistent. It's the most comforting thing to your consumer is some level of consistency from you. It's like, you know, you compare it to that friend that you're growing and they're taking on new things and they're cool or they maybe got, you know, something really amazing in their fall wardrobe or they change up their look a little to the person that every single year they're like a wholly different person, you know, like, oh, they're like completely French looking this year. And then the next year it's like, (laughs) no, 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 I'm very like grounded and earthy this year. It's like that is a schizophrenic view of personality. And when brands do that, when all of a sudden it's glossy and white and then no, now it's sultry and smoky. No, no. Now it's millennial pink. When you don't have a reliable identity, you don't feel familiar to anybody and they stop trusting you. Mm hmm. I think that's so powerful. And I think what I see so much too, just like in the creative industry is trends are so cyclical. And it was hilarious. I was actually scrolling all the way back on my Instagram feed last night, like all the way, like 4,000 posts ago. And I was laughing because I had a picture of macaroni and cheese. It was actually six years ago. And I was like, just dying laughing because I'm like, well, my branding has always been on point because I've been talking about macaroni and cheese (laughs) for six years. And it was just hilarious because even though my feed was so filtered and ugly and so unorganized, it was still the same person that is showing up today. And I think with brands, so often we look at what's working for someone else and we want to imitate that instead of like differentiate and figure out what is actually setting us apart. I love that you said that. I was thinking about that the earlier day. Everyone gets embarrassed or uncomfortable looking at where they came from sometimes. Oh, yeah. Like you're like, ugh, I just want to like go back and put a filter on all of these stories. It's so cringeworthy. But there's nothing in the whole world more relatable than someone's journey. And watching someone grow is such an inspiration to people that are in it. And not going back and editing and revising and taking the embarrassing parts out of your story is one of the best things as a brand or as a human that you can do and offer people that are in that space with you. 
Absolutely. Transformation is so inspiring. And I hate when people start from scratch because it's like, no, 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 no. Like show that journey because that journey is going to show people where you started and where you started is probably far more relatable than where you are today. And I think that that is what is so cool about branding, especially when it comes from a strong place of why, whether it's a personal brand or a company brand is like, you can keep going back to that same place. It might look a little different. It might feel a little different. The messaging might be a little different, but if that heart is still the same, it's going to be felt from the beginning, ugly, filtered days to now where things are more polished and put together. And I just think transformation stories are what actually inspires people into action so much more than showing up like we have it all figured out, right? That's right. There's no easy pass. (laughs) No, no, there is not. So I want to know, it's 2019. What are you so excited about? Like what is next for you, Kate, in the company, in life? What is firing you up? I'm so excited right now. We have, I literally, I haven't felt this professionally excited in years. And I like, I would consider myself a pretty excited person on a good day. But I, I feel like we just tapped into something so big. And you know, that great feeling of like, you've been talking about something for years, and it's kind of matriculated into some small choices or small decisions. And then all of a sudden, you crack the code You know what I mean? Like this past year for us has been like one of the biggest, most enlightening moments of just, okay, we get it. I get it. I get what we're supposed to be doing. And that moment and the sort of the the best feeling in the world is when the pieces start falling together and you realize like all of the little things over the past six years, seven years, however long it's been for you, they start clicking together and they start revealing the next chapter. And it can take a while, I think, in that metamorphosis phase of just waiting to get clarity on what should be happening and being patient enough to kind of just hold things together, keep the ship going smoothly. And then when it really starts unfolding itself to you, it's the most rewarding, cool, just awe-inspiring moments. And it may be seemingly small to someone else, but for me, that moment of this is going to be the best year ever is very cool. So our journey into different space, different conversations, kind of, again, that really just like join us down the rabbit hole a little bit, like come satisfy your curiosity about who you are and what you're doing here. And it's just such a cool moment. We've got so much good stuff going on. I I can't wait to see it unfold. It's, It's an exciting time for us. I can't wait to watch it all come to fruition. There's just nothing better. Where can everyone connect with you, Kate, and the brand? Give us all the places online so that we can check you out even more. Well, we're in Cranston, Rhode Island, if anyone wants to visit. (laughs) And we are online at alexanani.com. We've got great Instagram, very connected to the internal part of the brand. We are individual with our stores on social as well. So for kind of what's happening locally, what they're engaged in and participating there, but we're all over the place and I am in and out of all of those things. I am 
hoping to be out and about in the world a little bit more this year in our stores and getting some of the stuff up and running. But for now, just keep in tune with us. We're letting everybody know things as they unfold. We're really trying to do a better job of pulling back the cloak a little, letting people view into Oz and the inner workings of the company. We're launching some really great more candid personal moments with some of the creators and the people here. This is really the first one, Jenna, that we've ever done. We've been so sheltered, I think, for so long and just talking about what we're doing over here. So it's a good time to to let people in and to have them be on the journey with us. Oh, well, thank you so much for just sharing your expertise, your voice, your vision, and especially for helping us kind of decipher some of the mysteries behind branding today. There you guys have it, Kate Richard. I loved talking with her today. I think it is so important that we show that no matter where you come from or the differences that make you stand out, those are things that make you unique, that can land you into the right place, the right position, just as it happened for Kate. After we hung up, she said, you know, I don't want to go out and preach that people don't need to go to college, but if you're unable to, or if it wasn't an opportunity for you, I want you to know that that's not the end of the road for you. And I think that that is so powerful. I think that our culture is pushing things that might not be the right fit for everyone. And so that is what I loved about Kate's story. I also think it is so important to look at people that are in these positions. Kate has her own personal brand. It includes two full sleeve tattoos, but she also is playing a huge role in a much larger company. And what she brings to the table is unique same as you, what you can bring to the table, whether it's a table as your own entrepreneurial journey, or it's a table where you're seated with a bunch of other people and you're bringing your own ideas into motion. It is so important to know that what makes you different, what makes you stand out, that is a true secret sauce. And I think Alex and Ani have figured that out. And I think that Kate Richard has figured it out. And today's show was just an awesome one to dig a little bit deeper into what all of that can look like for each and every single one of us. So until next time, gold diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. And thanks for hanging out with me and Kate today. Thanks for listening to the Gold Digger podcast. Dive into the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with a friend. The more the merrier. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time, you gold digger you.